Hi everybody, welcome to Wrong Term Memory, as always, it's me, Jack. And also, as always, it's me, Colin. Hello, Jack. Hello, listeners. Jack, how are you? You alright? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, looking, looking forward to this episode, something a little bit different, sort of similar to our Scott Squad stuff, and the fact that it's got police involved, or former police, but... Um, we, we put a shout out a couple of weeks ago for people that have got interesting jobs or whatever to get in contact and Craig got in contact. Um, Craig, how are you, mate? I'm fine, thanks for having me on the show. We've got intimidation about this and uh, feedback's going to come back, but hey, let's get a go. Well, that's it. So, you are a former police officer, Craig, is that right? That's right, I uh, retired um, over a year ago now, so. Right, so you're, so you're actually not that long out of the force. What makes you feel trepidation about coming on then? Because you offered yourself up and you said you'd come on. Oh, no, I know, I hate it's true. Um, <laughs> uh, I hate it's true because I've never done one of these things before and it'll be one of these things I can imagine that would just go right, just going, it's either not like that or it is like that or somebody will read it and go, oh, it's an old dinosaur. I need to think. There'll always be... Um, there's about a million different opinions in the same thing in anything, um, and I'm quite sure there'll be that sort of So I'm, I'm prepared for it, but um, everybody's got this. Nobody's really got an opinion on painters, right? Right, by far enough. Plumbers, yeah. But everybody's got an opinion on what the police should be like, or how they should behave, or what they should be doing. Uh, I pay your taxes, all that sort of stuff. So everybody's got, everybody thinks that, well, they aren't taking an opinion clearly, but um, uh, I, they, they, they kind of want to tell you all the time. And you're always, you always get introduced at parties as your job. And it's the only one I've ever known in my life. <laughs> oh, this is, this is great. He's a police. What? <laughs> you know, say this is great. He's a street sweeper. Oh, he's a, you know, he wants the bingo around that. You know, it's, it's always one of these things. I think that's a courtesy, though. That's just a warning to the person to keep their mouth shut. Don't say anything stupid, because you might get yourself in trouble with this fella. Ah, it's a, I've, got, I've always got a hang this, right? I don't take homers. <laughs> right, so... <laughs> So how can you feel less? I'm like, I don't care what you're doing or what you're up to. I'm just, I'm either here, I'm, 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 I'm after, if I'm after you, I'm after you. I'm not interested. If I don't like what's happening, I'll go away. But I'm not about to tell somebody that they can, can and can't do. So. Randomly getting your notebook out in that. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Right, so I, I don't know much about the, uh, the, the inner workings of the Polish, you know, we, we watch TV like Line of Duty and whatever, stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. So, how, let's say high up, how, what was your rank? Where, where did you get I to? I was just, no, I was just, um, I was just a, 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 a cop, just a normal, just a constable, they call it, um, constable, worked, right. Yep, no, I worked, I worked, uh, everybody else, I worked in, they called it response and, and, uh, and, um, community stuff. But when right. I started, it was just, you worked at an office. And you went in the street in a car or a van or you walked or anything like that. And then I kind of found other jobs within. Because one thing the police is broken, has a million different jobs you can do. Different specialisms and stuff like that. And then I retired as a de- detective constable. You don't get any more money, you still got up. I sat my exams to do, to get promoted. And I kind of, I couldn't be asked. I went, this takes me away from doing what I actually want to do. Which is that, that. You start promoting some management and, that's not really why I joined the polls. Okay, can I just ask, uh, how many years were you in it for? Because you look young to be retired. Like, don't I, I, I'm 51. Right, you, know, you, you, you look good for a 51-year-old, <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'm 
It, it's caught, well, it, it somebody I was at a wedding, a week ago last Saturday, in Italy, and uh, somebody came up and went, you look amazing, how you want? And I said, I said, how do you, how do, you do it? And I said, um, you can bleep this out, but the answer's fuck it. Don't let anything get to you. Just, you know, that. do you smell when I was in the Navy? Do you smell old saying, you're not going to die and you're not going to get pregnant? So, don't, unless those, don't worry about it, it'll probably be alright, or it might take a bit of work. So that was kind of my mantra, my stuff was just going, be your best just to go, just, you know what? Fine. I'm not dying. I'm not dying. I'm going to be fine. So, so the reason why I ask that, because I swear a lot. <laughs> No, I don't worry about that, mate. Uh, so you you mentioned the navy there. So yeah. how how long were you in the police for? Like, what, um, uh, what did I you do before? That? I started in October '95. Right. So I was twenty six in about years. Right. Okay. I was uh, twenty three and I quit on twenty four. So um, basically, your whole career was spent in the police, near enough. Uh, I'd five years in the navy as a boy, so I joined the navy just before my eighteenth birthday, uh, and then I left and then and joined the. Uh, in the, the post, and then a year in between, I worked at, I worked at Glasgow Uni in the beer bar, in the beer hall, uh, and in the union, and I worked at the cutter shops just to do something. I even worked in the Aris for a bit, because when I worked in, they got me a job, and I, I'm not doing this, last am not doing this, I'm not doing this, this is mental. So, um, we stand the Navy, Craig, you're half the village people. That's, <laughs> I am, mentioned something wrong, but I, Ask me one time about, um, I'm trying to say it, if I could say that, uh, did I hang out with people from the village, people like to say it like that, I got asked that a couple of times, like, um, I, I used to get some, in the Navy, used to get something quite a lot. Can I imagine it would have done, yeah. Quite a lot, I, it would go in the jukebox in the pub and all that, you know, but, <laughs> it was great fun, it was a brilliant time, but one of the best times of my life. Yeah, I bet. And I was in the Navy, it was magic. So, did you sort of fall into the police then, or was it something you wanted to do? What Was it a conscious choice you went, right, that's where I'm heading, or was it a case like the chance come up or whatever? I, I, went to, I was born and brought up in Drumchill, right? right? And then my parents went to Clybank. I went to Kingsridge, and then I went to Brayfield and Clybank, and I basically fucked about. I didn't, I, I, I got one old grade. I dogged it all the time. I couldn't be asked going to school. It bored me. And um, so I left school with one old grade, right? And then all of a sudden you go, no, I'm not going to get it. So I thought, do you know what? My dad built warships. I wanted to be a marine and my dad went, no chance because you'll end up in Northern Ireland. I'm not saying I to that and you don't put me through that. I'm not going to phone call it in the morning to say something bad to him. And I said, hey, what about the Navy? And I said, well, I built Warships in the Arras, and that sounds alright, so I'm doing applied, get accepted. And at that point there, I was married before, and at that point there, her dad uh, was in the post, and I was like, he's got a pretty good life. And in those days, you could basically, if you if you got an exemplary record for, for one of the armed forces, you applied to the post, and they go, come in. Yeah. You've done all the hard but you've done all the stuff, just walk in the door. And that's basically what happened. And I remember... Going, I'm so excited, in 1995 I was getting £14,000 a year and I thought it was loaded. <laughs> so I was like, that's the best, it was the best money I could get for having no qualifications. That was really what it boiled down to. I went, how am I going to have a life for myself? Uh, and and, that, and that's how, that's how that, I, I mean, there was some drums out, so I was brought up to date the boss. And I still do that, and the way by, under the motor. 
I could drive by them in the car, you know. So and I even did it. I used to do that. Obviously, people listen to it, see what you've done. But I used to do that whilst there was a CID motor and a uniform motor. And I'd be like, under the thing. Go. You kind of hit, hit, hit on a point there, mate, right? So we put the... We, we put it in Patreon that we were interviewing a, a police officer, a former police officer, and asked for questions, yeah. you know. So people um, left their questions. And Ray, who I think is a new patron, so welcome aboard, Ray. But he's went in two-footed, mate, right for the start. Um, ask them if they're taught how to be complete arseholes. I've never met a sound copper. Now... That's a bit unfair to pop that on you, but I suppose it does kind of lead to a more serious question is why are the polls viewed like that? And see, just, just before you answer, Craig, don't mm-hmm. take it, don't take it too much to heart because Ray didn't spell arseholes properly. And he's a question. <laughs> oh, yeah, a typo. The grammar polis are in. Getting too polis at a place in one. See, the thing is with that is we never get bring people good news. Right. A police is never going to turn up and don't tell you when the water. If a police is at your door and you're a normal person, something bad's happened. You know, they're bringing bad news. They're never turning up to say, hi there, uh, you've won a prize in fucking Reader's Digest or something like that, right? Doesn't it happen? And also, that guy, that guy has probably had some bad stuff and bad dealings with the police, right? But the question of what I think of that is, how many police have you met? You meet in Polish all the time? Because if you're meeting Polish all the time, then they're not really meeting you, right? They're, they're digging you up because of some reason or no. So that might be... And there's other Polish that are. So if you take a selection of society, which the Polish is supposed to represent, yeah, you know, um, I think probably about 15% of the, the world are also. So that's sure. 15% of the Polish are going to be. It just happens to be getting them all the time. No, but no, that, well, but, that does 100% make sense, you know, like, when I was younger, the only dealings I had with the Polish, no big dealings with the Polish, you know, it was right. like, they would, they would come, they would tell you you get fucked, they would, pack, they would oh, do yeah. a wee quick search on you and stuff like that, or That's I did spend one night in a cell when I was like 18 for a breach of the peace mm-hmm. or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, it wasn't like really, it was nothing, it was never, it was nothing ever properly serious, but I can imagine, I if you're, it's one day the other. It's like such a tribe mentality, I suppose, especially when you're younger. I think there also might be a thing of what the recruitment is now. Right. When I started, there was a boy from Castlemont. I was from Drumchapel. There was a boy from East Coast. There were steam boys that were in the police. Yeah. So you've already got an understanding how you expect to deal. And towards the kind of turn of the century and then towards the end of it, uh, towards like 2010, there's a lot of graduates coming. Right. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. They're looking to, to earn money and get promoted, that's fine. But I, I love going out and chatting to folk. I love going out and getting and, and, and banter to guys yesterday. I was going to search about it. I didn't have to be rude about it. You know, there, there was no kind of, because I just thought that it was, and I like Watman. The areas that got be considered rough, you know, but the bullet, what the govern, what the other place. So uh, I preferred working in these places, and I think that that the arseholes that I get, because I've known a load in the, that time in the post, known a lot of posts that I would go wherever they want you to stop me, as you are. But um, we don't practice it, or they never practice it. The question I always think is, what is that guy, what is that cop you're dealing with had to deal with that day already? 
Was weiß ich, wir tun immer mit Arsenal, bevor der endlich schafft. Ich könnte ein bisschen Adess, ich könnte ein bisschen Soppen, bla bla bla. And you've just said the wrong thing. And that's why he's been like that. You know, what you stopping me for? Oh, Christ. Well, they're not going to be able to get an explanation. I could do this and we could be able to do it in five minutes. So, there's all that other stuff that could have been on in the back. I mean, I'm sorry if he was like that, but hey, it happens, do you know what I mean? I suppose that's quite interesting what you said there um, about the recruitment process then. So, do you think that the sort of, let's say, the personality traits that they maybe looked for 20 years ago, 30 years ago, have changed now and they're more looking for those, like you say, those sort of graduates with maybe without that sort of experience are dealing with a certain type of people? I don't know if it's necessarily them. I think the problem is there's so many people, when I was a kid, you went to university, you were a toast. Mm-hmm. Right? Or you were really smart and really intelligent and you were going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, an engineer, something like that, right? And what in class folk would have the qualifications? You, went to, you joined the council or you joined the police or you joined some other kind of thing. But all these kids then went to university thinking specifically kind of turn of the, the, the sense and think they were going to go to these great jobs and then went, I can't get in. Right. And then went, oh, well, I'll go to the polls. So, I'm not saying they're all like that. You know, just because you did a degree well, doesn't mean you can't do any job you're done well pleased. But, uh, it, it does. But it, it makes sense too, because if you think about it, these guys that obviously did well enough at school to then go to uni, study for a uni and stuff like that, they weren't on the streets kicking about at the weekends or the night times no. like your guys who drum chapel might have been, etc. and stuff like that. Aye. So it's that disconnect, I think, where they can't resonate with that person or they can't identify with what it's like to have nothing to do but wander the streets and stuff like that. Aye, aye, aye. I don't take guys up for wandering the streets. You say, wander the streets, we've got to date quiet. <laughs> That'll be my thing. I'm not going to send you up the road. What does it say you want? You just go and know make a noise because there's people who might be wanting in the morning or, or whatever that would be kind of, you know. We always used to get shirts and stuff like that. It was just a pain in the We never did. All our day was walking about the streets. So uh, I, I suppose when I was younger, you know. But like, when you... Would you take yeah. now though? Would you, if you would you take others? I know I did it, I know. But if you would you take others of boys walking up and doing the sides of the house all night? You'd have raised them up. I'm phoning the police. I'm not having it. It's an eight thing. You get home and go... Oh God, I don't want this. Ah, to be fair, there was wee pricks throwing stones at the windows all night of outside. I don't know if the police just told them to fuck it off. And they did. Ah, exactly. Um, ah, that, ah, would exactly. Be, that would be the first port of call would be telling them to fuck off. Checking wins. If they take offence to that and then go overboard, then I suppose mm. well, I just fucking phone the police and get them to fuck because it's easier. <laughs> ah, exactly, um, get somebody else to do it. That's what the police is. That's what the police is. You know, I remember going to neighbour disputes. The aggressive way ever got neighbour disputes and they turn up and go, we start telling you about blah, blah, blah. And I used to turn around and I was sitting listening to them, right? They go, how long have you been arguing about this? Oh, we've been arguing for it for 15 years. And I used to say, and you expect me to deal with it in 20 minutes? <laughs> You've been asking all that. And you think I'm going, go and deal with them. I'm like, see you later. Because this will end up in court and then in six months' time you'll be going, how did we get here? Well, I don't really want to do with this, you know, so you can uh, just tell people to beat it. Sort of it yourself. Or stab them and then phone the police. <laughs> 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 um, you, mentioned, um, you mentioned working in Pollock in particular. Anything right. stand out from your time in Pollock? Just... Pollock? I loved working in the schemes. I loved them, right? I loved watching the windy hangers, which people would all hang out there. You know exactly what it is, old folk and all that sort of stuff. I remember one, there's a place called um, Calf Hill Road, mm-hmm. 
And uh, about, oh God, this must be, oh God, maybe 15 years ago, a boy got stabbed and it was outside one of the houses, right? So we turned up, I was in uniform at that point, so CID turned up and they go, shut everything down, shut it all down, shut the street down, because we don't know what's happened. Nobody gets in and out of the house, that's it. And, uh, and there's like a jumper line in the street. And it's got blood on it and all that. I don't know if it is. You tape it all off, and the guys maybe been in the house. We don't. We're not getting tilted in that uniform. But the next time we're all standing there, and the dog appears, <laughs> that's been that looking a bit right. You can, you can shoot or something. Like that. <laughs> you fuck off to the dog, right? And the dog runs across, picks up the jumper, and fucks <laughs> off, right? So there's about eight cops running after this dog, trying to jump on after it, right? And so eventually the dog panics, drops it, and they have to then go and get like a pair of rubber gloves and pick it up. And then they go, God, you can't even put it back in because it's not being photographed yet of where it was. So you then have to explain that. And that, the, there was DNA on that, right? They sent it away for DNA. Now, not only did they find the DNA of the guy responsible because it was his jumper and it was a victim's blood that was on it, but they found fucking. Canine DNA on it. Most of them, and the lab were going, what the fuck? It's just getting done slime, whatever. So there were 20 cops running about trying to get a jump after Doug. Were the, were the locals loving that? No, was the locals... Oh, they were, they were in hysterics. <laughs> and quite rightly so, it was funny. But how was that no funny? And there was, there was cops going, what are you doing laughing at and all that? And I'm just standing there peeing myself laughing, running after this Doug. I was like, this is hilarious. Chasing a Doug about trying to get a jumper after it. Because if somebody just walked in the corner, oh, this is a dog with a rag in its mouth. And five cops running after him like that to get out of so. <laughs> oh, that was only like, that kind of breaks up stuff, you know. Because I used to, well, I used to say, we used to say Mosh Park, which is just no far from. Ah, yeah, no, 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 no far from Park, then moved to Park. It was Park. The, um, Right on the boundary. But nah, um always get told don't go near don't go near Pollock when we were younger, don't go near that green bridge. Yeah, there's always trouble oh, over that. That was that that was brutal. Like again, late nineties that was that was running battles there. It was running battles there all the time. So oh, like, I would I was a wee I was a wee I was a wee quiet guy kinda, so just stayed about in Mosh Park. But um moving on to that, like We'll, we'll, we'll jump back and forward and we'll get some more of your stories, yeah. but we'll try and dip back into the Patreon questions then. So, uh, sure. Scott, Scott's always asking questions. He's, he's quite active on Patreon, so uh, cheers for putting this question in, Scott. So, what do you think the biggest misunderstandings that the public have about policing? So, what's the biggest sort of myths or misunderstandings? I think one of the misunderstandings is that they think sometimes that you're the, maybe a light skin of law. Because there's nothing on your uniform that stays when you start. Specifically in your uniform. There's nothing they say I only started six months ago. Right. You know, so you walk in and you go, you should know what you're doing. And then you've got to learn. Right? That's, that, that's what experience comes from. And, and sometimes they'll say the wrong thing because they don't know and they're just trying to help. And the wrong thing gets said and then it can escalate sometimes. So I think the biggest is that, that, that and all, and, and to go along with that is, Sometimes you bloody really do know the law. Really, some guys know it. Specific things, bang on. And it's merely, it's not necessarily the laws, but it's procedures around about it. How you can investigate stuff and they know it inside out. Um, so I would say that that's one of the biggest ones of, of thinking that you know everything. 
I think the other one is, is, is forgetting that we sometimes get family and kids and wives and and stuff outside our job, but this is not this is a job for me, guys. Mm. You know, we don't You're not robot. You know, we don't take it we don't take it home and start writing tickets for our wives every time they cut <laughs> a double yellow line. Do you know what I mean? So, so there's a, the, the, it's just at the end of the day it's just a job. It's nothing more, it's nothing else. It happens to be sometimes an exciting one. There's an old saying that the post is ninety nine percent boredom and one percent terror. Right. Explain that a little bit then. What does what, what, what does that what does that mean? Um, most of the time you're doing nothing. You're right. walking about the street. You know, you've got a bone inquiry to do. You know, somebody's shoplifting. You're trying to find out who it is. If you're in uniform, and then you'll go in the street and there'll be a battle in front of you. And you just go, Christ, wasn't it? Right, and that that bit of working out, like what, what am I going to do next? You know. Am I going to jump in here? I mean, it's just me and my neighbour. There's eight of them. No, let's think of something else today, you know. Sit behind and wait and call for some other people in. Don't go in and get your head kicked in. You know, they're not going to get a round of applause and a bravery medal for being an idiot and not working out. You shouldn't have done that. So a lot of it is just walking about and chatting to folk and not really doing it. But the terror comes is um, when something kicks off and you're not expecting it. You know, if it suddenly just goes bare shaped in front of you. Sorry. No, sorry, can I on, Craig, when you go finish? No, like, like for instance, I remember, um, we'll, we'll talk about kind of places that you know. Um, you, you know the Hurlet? Uh-huh. This is going, obviously getting, and if you're going towards Brayhead, um, you're going towards the shop centre, there's a dip in that road after the Hurlet. It dips. One uh-huh. winter, that bit stays frozen because the sunlight catches the rest of it. And I was driving home one day, and the next minute, Somebody said, you need to go to a road accident. Somebody's been killed. And it was an old couple been driving down. The sun, it was, the sun, it was a winter, but the sun had melted all the, the, the ice off of it, apart from that wee dip. And he came down, caught the ice, went across the road. He wasn't driving, the elderly person was knocking. The guy lost control, went across the other side and smacked in it. And I had to drive the ambulance to the hospital. Jesus. It was the only way we could get there quick, so I had to jump in the front of the ambulance and drive that to the, as a southern as it was. And that was just, there was nothing happening. And all of a sudden, somebody's been killed. Two minutes in the corner for a year. You've got to go and deal with it quickly. So how, doesn't it? So how, I suppose, how does that dealing with, with death, like, how does that, never had to deal with it, you know what I mean? Never had to deal with somebody dying when I was there or whatever. So how do you, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? How does that, does that play with your mental health or whatever? What's, Cut what's that, going on it does. It does. Anybody that says it, Anybody says it doesn't, it's not true. Just how you deal with it mentally is different. Some, some guys, you never really know, because the pulse is still quite a, still quite a macho thing, right? Mm-hmm. If I was to get and go, and I've some, some pretty brutal stuff, if I was to get and go, can I get a debriefing? You, but what you did was you opened up the bottle. You finished the shift, you opened the bottle, and you sat down, you had a a bottle, and then that was you and your friend. That was, mm-hmm. that's just how you dealt with it. Um, but there's a, uh, uh, so, but, and the downside to dealing with death is, when I went to CID, you were going to a lot of drug deaths and hangings. Right, fuck. And I would see maybe, it could be, it could be at least three a week. For years. And the downside to that is, you become almost unbuddled in it. And you know, and then you come back and go, God, I shouldn't be like that. And then you worry, Christ, what, what did the family see me? Did I just walk in and go, 
And you've got to prepare yourself, hopefully. And I was lucky that I hope I never did it. That I didn't seem that it was just my job. So I'm going to miss family member that's dead. But you may have seen four that week. And yeah, before you can go, oh, another one. I'm flipping can't be bored, you know. And that's what you're mentally thinking. But you, then you have to go and go, no, this is somebody's husband, wife, sister, brother, aunt, whatever. You have to get in there and go, this is what we're going to do. And um, this is what we're going to do. And this is a procedure I used to explain to them. You know, the uniform guys will stay with you, but I'm here to get in and we'll get the photographed and then we'll leave. And then there'll be a post-mortem, which I might be at. And then I'll report back and, and I'll explain to you what the circumstances are. Procurator first, but then the day will tell you what they call it. Uh, we'll be in touch with you and explain what the cause of death was and whether there's going to be an investigation into it or not. Was so that's seen death all the time can be quite. Uh, was there ever anything or any moments where you thought, I don't think I can do this anymore or this is just too much? I, I worked with a lady a couple of ten, ten years ago or so who'd been a policewoman for about two years or so and she chucked it because of that. I think the, the final straw for her was. She was visiting a, it was a released paedophile or something like that, and they had to do checks to make sure they were obeying the terms of the release or something like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't allowed, it wasn't allowed like um, a mobile phone, the internet, it wasn't allowed magazines and all that. So anything that they basically yeah. had yeah. wouldn't want that looking at. She got to his house, did a wee look around and stuff, and a conversation with him, and she found that he'd be, because he didn't have any of that stuff, he'd been using the Argos catalogue. And that was kind of her wake-up call. And she said at that point, she knew it wasn't the job for her anymore. She had to just stop I've, and leave. I've quite an old fire. I'd push them all off a cliff and jagged out to the bottom. <laughs> I, I, that's just... I, I never had to deal with many of them. Um, I had to deal with one. Um, and it was... Um, there was a guy that he'd been... He'd been charged with the stuff, but never convicted. And his son then went on to do stuff. Jesus. And it started from a comment, a lady reading a comment on a Glasgow Live Facebook page, and it was about the son being convicted of basically taking photographs of naked people and putting their photographs on top of it, and then saying it was them. And all it said was, I'm not surprised after what his dad done to me. And another woman read that comment, and she never reported Right. She'd never been the victim. So she knew, knew there was somebody else. And I came in one day and the guy, the DS went, oh, bang, put this thing in front of me. And it was a massive inquiry because I had to go all over Scotland to get people to speak and to get old statements which were shredded. The fiscal's office had made a complete arse of it. They, they, they should have prosecuted. Like, for instance, he bore a child. Yeah, a woman, a girl that was 15. Right. And that's rape straight away, right? Whether she consented or not, it's rape, right? Yeah, sorry, she was 13, so it was rape. And the, the DNA matched. And the crown didn't go ahead with it for whatever reason. And that was quite a good thing, because about three months after I got tired, the guy, the guy, um, uh, 11 and a half years, and he's 70. So he'll probably know see that it's out of jail. And now, so you get, you get, you go up, you hear that, you're like, you're beauty. You don't you're not coming back out, so. I was going to say that. How fucking frustrating is it for you when you know somebody's guilty or something, but the the procurator official ever won't won't push forward with it because there's not enough evidence or whatever? Is that not just fucking punching the boys? It happens sometimes. It does happen sometimes, right? But that's that's a kind of a kind of lacking, I think, on the investigator. Right. So so um, 
And then, and then the day, the person that's reading it, someone human, so what a police officer does is he submits a report to broken at a fish with the Crown Office, and they read it and go, is it in the public's interest to prosecute this person? That's all that happens. Right. That's basically what a police officer does. Gets other circumstances, gets as much evidence as he can, and it's down to the county prosecute them. It's not down to the police. The county do it. And then what will happen is, when there was a specific one as the CID, they would come out there, you get a seven-day lie down, so you get arrested, go to court next over day, and the Crown would say, we want seven days, we want this, 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 that we want a bunch of, you just got a shopping list. I want this tape, I want this CCTV, I want it formatted, I want that, go and get that statement, firm up on this, blah, 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 and you go in and do it all for them. And then if they got that, they would then get, that goes to the, the court, and they go, right, okay, hand on ten day lie down, see you in three months, and then start all the, preparing the case and all that sort of stuff. So, it was, uh, it was, uh, I joined the post to lock up bad people. Uh-huh. That's why you do it. You go, there's folk out here that, are, that need to be, I don't know who they are when I was only 23, but that's, I'm here to, and the problem is it's slightly changed. It's, it's not like that now. It's not so much now like that. Um, um, but uh, that's why I joined the post, was to lock folk up. And see when you do that, a lot of hard work and it comes out and you get it. Mm-hmm. What a feeling. Because you know these poor victims have went through hell and you've managed to at least get them so they take away what happened to them. If you were stabbed or you'd been murdered or anything like that. But you've, they, they can go, do you know what? They posted on the right thing. They, they took time and they worked it out and they got all the evidence and they proved it. And they went to court and they didn't make an asset when they went to court and all that sort of stuff. So aye, there's a lot of, that's a really nice feeling actually. So somebody like that, aye. So could you, as a, as a constable, could you basically get no roped in, but could you get asked today sort of any, pulled in any investigation, be it paedophile, be it murder, be it fraud, or was it more I, sort of edding? It really depends. I, I, I was quite, I was just kind of highlighting, there's a lot of guys that are more highlighting to me, but I did some, a wee bit of surveillance and stuff like that, and I, one day I started the morning, I started Friday night night shift, the gaffer comes in and says, right, you can the weekend after you start Monday. Morning, there's a boy getting released for Berlin, he's Scotland's most serious sexual offender, and we're going to be following him. When, we get, when he gets out, and we followed him from Berlin, and we followed him to... He's deep now, right? So I can say where it was. It was Harmony Square. The Harmony... Row? No, Harmony Row. And they, that's where they put him in there, during government. Hmm. And we followed him all the way out. And that thing you were talking earlier on, you were talking calling about having all these preventions. That's what they call SOPO, so sex offences prevention order. Yeah. You get out of prison, they say, you're getting out, right? And he's, by the way, he's finished his sentence. He got out, he did half of his sentence the first time, and within a year he raped the wee boy. So they put him, he got another time, and then they added his full sentence. So he was back for another 12 years, and they kept him to the day. Now, they can keep you at midnight, but they kept him to the day. We were all plotted up, followed him from Berlin. We had a team dropped off at the house with the social work, and the social work didn't speak to him, because obviously the checks are done, school, he lives in the clothes. There's no young kids in the clothes. There might be children, but pedophiles are specifically a certain age groups and stuff like that, so they make sure that that's not there. They go through all that with the police. He then gets a cell phone and says, basically, he's not allowed to see. He's not even allowed to see the internet. He's not on their phone or tablet. He can't even have internet in the house. He can't get into a house that's got internet in it. He can't speak to anybody under 16. If somebody under 16 comes, he's got to leave. Like, you know, a bus stop's got to go and walk away. Really serious proper um, stuff. And we followed him in, followed him to his house. Another team, he went up to Asda. Another team took him on. 
and he walks up to Asa and he didn't realise the guy was standing there with a, with a guy mixed in and he said we're up to the woman and do you remember that mobile phones used to be used as a wee plastic cards and you take a plastic card you know you take it to the ring or what that phone yeah I, I, and he, I, said, I, can, he said can I get the internet on this Jesus Christ he was an hour and a half out of jail hour and a half out and he was straight, and he was straight back in for five years I, I, I phoned up and got two cops to go and he came out of Asda and I said to two cops because we can't meet him he said you never, you never arrest him you never see him and I said to two cops go and arrest him under a sexual mindset and they went what I said just go and get him I'll speak to you later take McGovern I'll tell you what they are I can't see the guy well I said I'm doing that he was going to get back on the day see and this is this is see this is the, the work that I'll, I'd imagine a lot of people that are or ACAB and all that all cops are bastards all that sort of stuff don't don't realise that the sort of work you're doing is keeping these cunts away from fucking children or whatever. All this work that's done that you just don't hear about, it doesn't make the headlines, it's all that sort of stuff, you know, it's aye. fucking important. <laughs> See, the thing is with that ACAB thing, I don't know why they just call, call it scab and say some cops are bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're, they're a bit of scab. It's even with Virgo, some cops are bastards. And then you go, that's fair enough. <laughs> You'll not get any disagreement. Right, i tell you what we'll do. We'll... We'll call this part one and we'll wrap it up, right? Sure. And um, we'll come back in a couple of days. Or next week. I do bother. Uh, I'm, what am I doing? I'm after to go to bay on uh, the weekend, but we don't have internet through there. He's only pretending for the listeners. I'm only pretending for the listeners and then we'll just... Oh, right. right. (laughs) I'm leaving that in, by the way, Craig. Uh, Oh, right, okay. Right, fair do that. All that stuff. Fucking thick polis again. Right, that's fine. <laughs> Colin, wrap it up. Uh, guys, I hope you've enjoyed that. You've got a little glimpse behind the curtain there as to the lies that we tell you on these shows sometimes when we pretend uh, we want a part one and a part two just to save us a recording the following week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed Craig and um, I hope you've enjoyed us as always. We'll be back with, Nick, with you next week and thanks to the patrons as always because they are the best. Bye. Colin, I personally don't think there's anybody still listening and if they are, they're pretty hardcore long-term memory fans and I would be expecting them to go and sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash long-term memory or by clicking the link in the show notes. Absolutely. And if for whatever reason they can't do that and paying for content isn't their bag, they can still offer us continual support by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.